Hello, wrench lifers and four people that listen to this podcast, which are one and the same. Meet Dober update week four. How exciting is that? So we're going to do the normal Meettober week updates. We're going to go over what I ate, what I did. We kind of have a different, I mean, it's basically the same show. It's going to be super redundant. I'm going to try to be quick. Uh, we're just going to do three sections today. Uh, we do the meals and feels. We're going to combine them. Then we'll do our mindful moments. We'll do something a little bit different again. And then that'll be pretty much it. Food rule and we'll get out of here. Try to make it go by relatively quick for you. This will be, uh, yeah, there'll be one more weekly update after this. So for the most part, this is going to be it. So if you have any questions, let me know. Next week, we could dive in on the questions. So Meetober week four updates. As always, we'll be putting the meals on that side of the screen if you're on the YouTubes or the Instagrams. Otherwise, you'll just have to listen to me describe it. First meal, uh, 10.19, p.m., uh, two eggs, some bacon, um, crushed up meatballs, avocado, good, whatever. Going to move quick through these. Uh... Following morning, 10, 20, 17 hours fasting, meatballs, bacon, egg, cheese, pretty typical. Uh, 10, 20, 7, 15 p.m., bunch of salmon, meatballs, two eggs. 10, 21, this is, a, this is the meal. This one right here, I did that face just for the thumbnail. Uh, 10, 21, 1, 15, 18 hours fasting, beef, bacon, pork, belly, lamb, rib, chop, and four eggs. Those lamb chops were Unbelievable. Uh, I think I actually have a close-up shot of them. Let's see, right there. That is those beautiful lamb chops sitting on the grill. It's pretty nice, right? And then there's actually a video. Let's play this video. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay, moving along. Uh, 1021, 8 p.m. Uh, that would be the dinner, same day. You got a steak there, some butter on the steak, two eggs, avocado, meatballs, typical, nothing fancy. 1022, 1215, 16 hours fasting, typical breakfast. Uh, 1022, 420, blaze it, same deal. 1022, 745, uh, London broil. Uh, 1023, 1245, 17 hours fasting, three eggs, a little steak, bacon, great. Uh, 1023, 7 p.m. That looks like it's another London broil. Avocado. 1024, 18 hours fasting. We got a New York strip steak, bacon, pork belly, maybe four eggs, some Swiss cheese. Great. Uh, there's a close-up of that meal. Kind of nailed that steak. You can see the pork belly to the left, the beef bacon in the middle. Nice. 1024, 8 p.m. That's a big London broil. I left it on the grill too long. And uh, kind of came a little overcooked. Whatever. 10.25, 9.30 p.m. Late night meal. Been really hungry lately. Moving on to the next day. 10.25. Uh, oh, they're out of order. I'm sorry. Whatever. Uh, there's a breakfast. 10.45, 1.45, 16 hours fasting. I guess I missed the last meal or the last meal on the 25th. Mm, whatever. 
Um, yep. Typical breakfast there. 10.25, two brevet steaks, some avocado. Uh, 10.26, I made this breakfast yesterday to be announced. Uh, yeah, there's some beef there. Three eggs. I actually ate that a little bit later. I think I ate it about 1.15, came home. New York strip steak, 4.30 p.m. You can see my avocado tree there in the bottom left. Uh, 10.26, 7.45, meatloaf, beef, three eggs, some cheese, and that was the meals. Uh, let's touch base on a few other things here. Um, last week I made six pounds of meatballs throughout the week. Uh, the meatballs were approximately two pounds of ground beef with bone marrow, two pounds of grass-fed grass ground beef, and two pounds, pounds of uh, ground organ meats. I made six, meatball, six pounds of meatballs, a bunch of eggs in there, seasoning, blah, blah, blah. I've been working on those all day. I mean, all week. Um, last night, I made a bunch of food. Uh, this will be the meal prep for this coming week, uh, where I did, uh, I did two three-pound, three-and-a-change-pound chuck roasts, and I got a veal shank, a bone-in veal shank. Threw that in the crock pot, too. I also made a two-pound meatloaf. That was about half organ meats. So that'll be my organ meat supplement for the week. That's about the, the thing that's really been different week to week is just how I'm getting those organ meats in. So that's about it. This week I'll be doing this and that. And um, yeah, so let's talk about some of the things I felt this week that may have been different from other weeks. So generally throughout this whole ordeal, I've been hungry. Uh, still about the same, feel a little sluggish in the morning as far as, um, not mentally, physically. Just feel like it's a little bit slower to get the legs pumping. Um, I haven't been doing as many activities, but we can go over those really quick. Uh, let's see. I'm going to put those up. <coughs> We're going to put those up on the screen. Uh, boom, 1021, bike ride, 9 miles. Nothing crazy. Uh, 1023, 20-mile 20 bike ride. About a thousand calories, it says. We'll see. I don't know about that. Uh, Ten twenty-four, two-mile run, eight thirty-five pace. Not too bad. Let's see the heart rate numbers there. Yeah, yeah, it's solid. Nothing fantastic. Uh, that's about it. I didn't really do a ton of activities. Uh, I did play disc golf nearly every day. Yesterday I played three round, three and a half rounds. I walked about seven and a half miles while playing disc golf. So. I haven't been going ham on the activities, but I'm ramping up for No Rest November. Starts in a week, 5K a day. I'll be updating you on that stuff. But anyway, <clears throat> so as far as the feelings go, um, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, my energy levels are very uh, consistent. I've had no nausea, no no moments of anything that felt like my body was freaking out like I had in week one and two, or a little bit in three. I feel like... This is still, I think at, at this point, three weeks in, three full weeks in, I think the body, it's fair to say there's the, we're in the adjustment period. I think you have a freak out period, and then we've been in it this long now that I think my body is really starting to kind of get used to this. Um, I feel like I'm starting to become very regular with my bowel movements, I, although it's so weird to talk about that shit, pun intended. <laughs> um just very consistent energy wise poop wise it's all very good um 
I will note one thing very interesting, and this might be entirely psychological. I feel like I haven't had anything satisfying in a while, although I am very satisfied. I'm very satiated. I love my meals. Everything I'm eating, I, I absolutely love. I'm probably going to adjust my wrench fist to a nor more carnivore-based breakfast. But I just, like, the craving for something sweet is still there. The cra I want a beer really bad. Like, I want something that's just like, mmm, it's so good. I just haven't had it in so long, it feels like. So it's very interesting. Aside from that, I love it. It's great. Everything about this is pretty awesome, to be honest. I love it. I do think I'll perform better with carbs, but that's about it. Been saying about the same crap for a while now, so we're done with that section. We're going to move on here to the uh, little bit of the mindful moments type deal. And we're just going to have to hit one of those. Although this isn't very mindful. So again, a uh, slightly different mindful moment here. I wanted to talk a little bit about the election uh, in a mindful um, context. So let me, let me start with a question. Uh, uh, there are actually two questions. One question is, why is everyone yelling at you to vote? Like, where did that come from? Um, and the second question, you know what? We'll just stick with the first question. I mean, it's always been this virtue signal thing. Oh, vote, vote, vote. It's important. But this year, it's like really ramped up. Like, why is Credit Karma app telling me to vote? Why did the New York Mets send me an email about voting? Why, when you automatically post something about voting on Instagram, it, like, links to all this information about voting? Like, it's kind of weird. It's, like, it's good. But also, like, where did it come from? Uh, and why is it so pushy? Like, I think you have a right to vote. I think you should vote. I think you have every right to not vote. I think if you don't like the candidates, you shouldn't have to vote. We'll talk about that briefly, um, shortly. I, I don't know. Something about it seems weird. And we're going to talk about big tech here, too. So um, I want to go back to the Federalist Papers quote uh, I read, Federalist pa Paper uh, 41 from the other day. The quote was, Cool and candid people will at once reflect that the purest of human blessings must have a portion of alloy in them, that the choice must always be made, if not of the lesser evil, at least for the greater and not perfect good, and that in every political institution a power to advance the public happiness involves a discretion which may be misapplied or and abused. So, I... I broke down that quote in, a, in, in, in two episodes ago. And I did it off the cuff. I didn't write anything down like I've done for the last two podcasts. I just like read it, thought it was important, was talking about it. And the way I was speaking about it and broke it down had me really think. Because I, um, I adamantly was a, I'm not going to vote for the lesser evil uh, voter. And then the way I interpreted that, this quote, countered actually how I voted and I, I and I believed both things to be true but they can't both be true so for about two weeks I've been wrestling with this greater good lesser evil thing to decide which version of me which which thought process it was more accurate and I came to the conclusion well maybe I should vote for the greater good 
I mean, I usually vote third party, but I don't know. If not for the lesser evil, at least for the greater, and not perfect, good. So I'm going to map those two things together and ask my second question. And is, and that question is, is big tech colluding with the left? As I said, why is every website yelling at me to vote? Here's another interesting there. Um, interesting thing there uh, in this context. The DOJ just uh, filed an antitrust suit against Google. It's partisan, 100%. There's like 19 um, state uh, AGs in on this bill. They're all Republican. Why would big tech power antitrust law be a, a partisan thing, which is very questionable? So, so why is no Democratic state involved in this? And why is big tech, which all leans left, yelling at us to vote? Are they colluding together? Something about it's this off-putting. I don't know. And I'm not saying I have the answer. This might seem conspiratorial, but I, it's worth thinking about. Let's just move past that. So in, in the context of this voting for the greater good, not the lesser evil, uh, I got three notes here um, to help you maybe vote for the greater good. Uh, and the three notes are, one, don't be a single issue, issue voter. It's not binary. Uh, check your biases and partisanship and make a checklist of issues. Now, to make this checklist of issues, there's a few things that you need to consider. And here's one thing I think, I believe, that is actually true. The level of government as you, not government, the level of politics as you go from micro to macro should decrease in empathy. You should not look at the federal government as, as governing with empathy basically at all. The most intimate politics you have are between your loved ones and your neighbors. Those should have the most empathy. They should be governed very, very, very much by empathy. And as you abstract out, each step should become less empathetical and more fact-based because that's the reality of how it works. I'm going to break down a little bit more. Don't be a single-issue voter. Okay, that's pretty fair. Um... But the second part of that is it's not binary. Uh, we've been really sucked into this binary thinking that like, oh, like if they appoint Amy Coney Barrett to the Senate, like they're going to repeal all this shit and you'll lose your reproductive rights. It's like that's just insane. Like to the, the right thinks the left just wants abortion up to the point of, of life or after it. And the left thinks that. They don't want any abortion. And honestly, things are not binary. If you stop for 30 fucking seconds and really think about any issue, there are virtually none that are binary. So take a deep breath. The world's not on fire. It's not a binary issue. Now, in order to get to that point, you have to do the second thing. Check your biases. Check your partisanship. <clears throat> you guys are crazy. Like, this is so crazy. The people on the left think that Donald Trump is stupid 
and an idiot, but also is like this mastermind that's scheming and plotting. The right is doing the same thing right now with Biden. Oh, he's senile, but he's also part of this scheme with his son and the money making. At least that, that one's somewhat feasible because like it seems like he's just like there collecting money. But I, I'm not going to get into any of that shit. Like, you're doing the same thing. Like, the left was saying, oh my God, if Trump wins, he's, he's a fascist. It's going to be this. It's going to be... And then none of that happened. Now the right is saying, if Biden gets in, it's going to be socialism. It's like, yo... Take a deep breath. The world's not on fire. None of those things will happen. Nothing is extreme. Nothing is a binary. So check your partisanship. Chances are, if you think any issue is 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 like a hard binary like that, you need to check yourself. And you're being you're probably brainwashed or polarized or being super partisan because that's never the case. Next, make a checklist of issues. Pretty simple things you care about. And then try to, to, you know, put your biases and partisanships aside and, and look at those issues um, comparative to the candidates. Uh, now, like I said before, the the empathy with your neighbor, really high, with your loved one, really high. Uh, the people, people within your neighborhood that you know, um, there's empathy there, but a little bit less than you deal with, like, your loved one, right? Uh, when you talk about people in your, your city at large, like, empathy really matters because you'll see those people and, like, whatever state federal we get to the federal level it's more like running a business and empathy uh i'm very much um i guess i'm a federalist in that sense where like the states should really decide what's best for the states and the government should really be determining long-term planning so i'm actually going to give you my little list here um as far as when it comes to the federal government when i'm looking at the federal government i'm thinking about long-term goals if this is like a business you're talking about the, the federal government is like the CEOs. They're at the top. And then there's it's all high-altitude, low-resolution decision-making uh, based on long-term goals, which is very different than the people that are on the sales floor dealing with customers face-to-face, -face, right? So my general long-term goals that I think the government should be concerned about based on the general uh, political environment, um, the three I wrote down here would be big tech censorship, uh, the pending or potential monetary crisis, uh, then the automation slash immigration situation, which no one ever really talks about in that context, and China. Those are federal issues. Everything else, I'm sorry to tell you, it's probably not a federal issue. It's probably more of a state issue. But so I want to go down this list. Uh, big tech censorship. This is like a freedom of speech thing. We don't know if these platforms are platforms or if they're publishers how much they can dictate how much they control what you see big tech is super biased though in the last two months it's gotten so bad and if you're not seeing it it's because you're sucked into it to be honest straight up we said that earlier right the doj is, is subpoenaed google uh twitter and facebook have been subpoenaed as well like is facebook and twitter the public square now maybe like that's where the public discourse happens. So maybe the government, like, not that I think the government should be involved. I just don't think they should be manipulating those conversations, putting people into echo chambers where they only see people they agree with. I don't think that's good for the country. Maybe there's a, a third a third thing that could be created that helps with these issues. I don't know. Um, they, the big companies, big tech companies, absolutely manipulate news and content. 
100%. Like, there's this Hunter Biden email thing that most people, a lot of people haven't even heard of because it was censored. Twitter blocked the New York Post. Uh, Facebook and Twitter blocked the links. And they're saying, oh, well, it's, you know, it's unapproved information. It must have been obtained illegally. While at the same time, the New York Times, you know, they post Trump's tax returns which aren't even his tax returns, and they're based on hearsay that someone else said because it's illegal to have that information. So they're like, oh, well, you know, we got to protect our source. And it's like, well, how come there you want to protect your source? Uh, and it's obviously obtained illegally, but here you're saying it's not um, approved, and you're saying, so we're going to block that. It's like very clearly, very partisan, very biased. Uh, journalists should be doing what journalists do is try to give you the news. Everything is editorialized now. It's like it's almost impossible to find someone who's just giving you the objective facts and is willing to let you decide. It's like every bit of content out there is editorialized. It's like, oh, I'm a journalist, so I'm going to tell you the, my opinion, and that's the way you're supposed to think about this, which is not the way journalism is supposed to be used. It's not the way it's supposed to be done. They're supposed to give you the objective facts, and then you use your brain to decide based on the objective facts, not picking and choosing where you apply your standards let me explain. This is not even my example. This actually came from someone else. Uh, Tim Poole described this when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's a really good example, so I'm going to use it. Uh, and this is explaining how big tech companies use their particular political bias to mold their rules. Right? Okay, so this is what he says. On Twitter, if you dead name someone, which means using a trans person's biological name, that is a bannable offense. Strike on your account, block your account, they could disable your account if you do that, right? They say this because this is uh, misgendering someone. Okay. That is to assume there's one definition of misgendering, and it's partisan. I will explain. If you believe a biological male can be female simply by saying, I am now female, then you're saying, okay, that's female. So when someone uses their previous male name, you define that as misgendering because you accept that that person can choose to be another gender. Conversely, if you believe in biology and you say, well, a man can never be a woman, and you can even say that very empath empathetically, you say, yes, he can, they can present as female, they can live as female, like whatever, but Biologically, that's a male, uh, which I think is probably factually correct. You cannot change your chromosome. So if you, if this person is male, says they're female, and then someone else says, okay, okay, Mike, they wouldn't define that as misgendering because in their view, which at some for some reason is political, means they're not misgendering them. You're misgendering them by assuming they are female. Right? So the political stance dictates the definition of misgendering. And that's not to say one is right or one is wrong. And I'm not arguing either one of those points. Uh, and I care deeply about uh, trans issues. And especially if you've listened to any of the earlier podcasts, we've touched on them in a very particularly intimate way that I'm not getting into now. But that's just to point out that political bias can dictate how you actually see the reality of truth. 
So Twitter can say, oh, you misgendered them. You're off the platform. You're no longer allowed to have discussion. You're no longer allowed on the platform. You're not in the public discourse anymore. And I don't think that's good for people. I think people you disagree with are the people you need to speak to most. You need to change your mind. You need to let the ideas go into the arena and battle it out. And the best ideas win. That's how it's supposed to work. Moving along. Uh, my second point, the potential monetary crisis. Monetary crisis. Now, an economic crisis and a monetary crisis are not the same thing. Economics is, is the movement of money. Monetary is, the, is how money is um, measured, so to speak. So, if people are spending or not spending, that's economic. If people are lending, not lending, or defaulting, and the currency exchange rate begins to fluctuate, that is a monetary crisis. We decided we were just going to print a whole bunch of money in hopes of taxing you for it later, right? So now there's more money. When you have more money, but it's backed by the same, well, it's fiat, so it's not backed by anything, but... You know, if, if you have 10 of something and I have 10 of something, we can even trade. But then all of a sudden, somebody just drops 10 more on the table. Well, now the value of each of those 10 things has been divided by 50% or something like that. I'm not going to do the math, but you get the idea. Uh, and when this happens, it could be inflationary. It could be deflationary. I don't know the economics well enough, although I did read one book. <laughs> one, Well, one book directly about monetary uh, policy. I've read a lot of economics books, but one about specifically. So when we printed all this money and the economy is still kind of chugging along and we had this like spurt of energy because of the extra 600 bucks everyone got and then, you know, the stimulus and that, it's like something is going to happen with the currency. We don't really know. If the economy slows, we have an economic problem. People start defaulting on loans. Banks start struggling. The Federal Reserve steps in starts manipulating lending rates, we get into a monetary crisis. And the one thing I do know about monetary crises based on the book I read called Money Mischief, uh, whenever the government tries to manipulate currency, uh, it pretty much always makes it worse. So I would say generally where I'm concerned right now about monetary crisis is I would be looking for a fiscally conservative um, administration because we are not at a point to be spending. We are at a point where we need to be uh, really looking at our money carefully because we don't know what's going to happen in this post-COVID world. So when people talk about big spending plans, it's like, yeah, I know the environment is super important. I love outside, but I mean, we kind of need to be in existence to even lead this battle. So it kind of, you got to put the, uh, the horse in front of the cart. We need to be the major world power to lead that. And if we have a collapse of the economy, we might not be the major world power, uh, which would lead me to China. But I'm going to have to get to the, that's one more section down. Uh, my second thing is automation and immigration. I had this conversation with a lot of people. Most people don't get it until I explain it. But we have a problem. The problem is we are losing jobs. Okay. Not to China, but to automation. The uh, is Andrew Yang, I was a big, I, I donated money to Andrew Yang. I liked Andrew Yang. I supported Andrew Yang. Might even write in Andrew Yang. Probably won't do that. But 
His whole thing is that we're losing our jobs. The most common job in most states is truck driver, cashier, and those jobs will all be gone in like 30 years. Like, actually. So the problem with immigration there is if you are letting in people that are all unskilled, and while all of our unskilled jobs are disappearing, you then have a huge amount of people that don't have work. In a country that has a welfare social net, which gives people money if they can't work. So what happens as those jobs disappear while we let more people to fill those jobs into the country that don't have jobs to be filled while they could sign on to social programs? And then that it, it, it's a it's a it's a recipe uh, towards a economic disaster. And those things need to be taken into account. And, uh, and, and lastly, there's the China thing. China's right on our heels. Uh, you know, Americans don't know what it's like to not be on top. China's right there. All these factors, we need to be very concerned about being the major world power and not just lean on the fact that our military keeps us there. And I do want to mention one thing briefly. that If you haven't looked this up, you should check it out. China is apparently putting Muslims into concentration camps. So that's kind of fucked up. Now, in conclusion, I'm not saying you agree with anything I say. In fact, you don't have to. My points are big tech should allow us to talk about these things. They should allow people to discuss these things. They should allow journalists to put out the stories they want to write and not censor them and i think the journalists should do a good job and i think you should do a good job in discerning that information but either way you don't have to agree with me i don't really care but you should as i said don't be a single issue voter realize nothing is binary check your biases and partisanship and make a checklist of the things that you really care about and then look into those things and try to be a little objective about it because it's not a binary. Whether you're on the left or the right, both sides are not political abstractions of what they think they are. The right is not what the left says the right is, and the left is not what the right says the left is. It is more nuanced than that. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Vote? Don't vote? I don't care. Don't be a mindless robot that believes everything that they see on their news feed. And I will finish with one last thing. All politicians are bad. They're all narcissistic. They don't care about you. They don't. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. Bernie Sanders isn't God. Joe Biden's not going to save the world. On November 1st, it will be not much different than November 10th, than May 5th, August 30th. Life goes on. Think about your day-to-day -day life. You woke up, you went to work, you did your thing. It's been about the same all the way through. Not much changes. The only thing I say really changed on the Trump presidency for me is I got a 2% tax decrease on my business. Uh, my IRA had a pretty strong growth, and a lot of people are really mad at him. That's like what I could notice in daily life. I'd love to go to a place where I don't hear the fucking president's name every day. Why is every day? Trump this, Trump, 
Trump, Trump. I'd love to not hear about it. I'd love to just go through my life and not hear people complaining and crying about it, thinking they're fucking Jesus or the devil. Wouldn't that be nice? It would. And today's final section, as always, we're going to finish with a Michael Pollan food rule. Fun, right? Everyone loves it. Great little book. Um, oh, this is a good one. This is a word I'm going to have a difficulty saying because uh, my it just happens. Um, so this is Michael Pond, Food Rule 12. Shop on the peripheries of the supermarket and stay out of the middle. Explanation. Most supermarkets are laid out in the same way. Processed food products dominate the center aisles of the store, while the cases of mostly fresh food, produce, meat, fish, dairy line the walls. If you keep to the edges of the store, you'll be much more likely to wind up with real food in your shopping cart. This strategy is not foolproof, however, since things like high fructose corn syrup can creep their way into dairy cases under the cover of flavored yogurts and the like. There it is. Michael Pong, Food Rule, French Life, episode 20, maybe? Thanks for checking it out. No Rest November is coming. One more me week of Meat-tober. Thanks for checking it out. Go out there and vote. Or vote. Don't vote. I don't give a fuck. Do, do you. But you should eat well. And you should wrench your life a little bit because there's nothing as valuable as feeling good. And I'm out.